Well, this morning, you'll just kind of the theme of the of the day. We're going to continue this series called Declaration that we started last week. And and I was thinking about that this week and kind of looking at things. And and how many have ever traveled overseas? You've been out of the country and come back. You know, there's always a question that's asked whether you're going into a country or you're coming out of a country. The question is, do you have anything to declare? Right? And if you have certain items, you need to declare those items because they want to know what's coming in and out. And you can kind of get in trouble if you don't declare things that you're supposed to declare. I'll never forget when we... Uh, Years ago, when a few years back, when we went to Israel, you know, it was it was kind of easy to get in. But I never would have thought that it would have been so difficult because while we were there, you know, you want how I many of you when you go to a place you want to buy souvenirs, right? And of all things, we bought some some little jars. They're little cylindrical jars, several of them of date honey. That was that was made right there in Israel. That was the real stuff. And so we just put it in the suitcase. It was getting ready to, to leave. And, and we didn't think that that was anything that we'd have to declare because it just didn't seem to fit the criteria to us. But yet we had the, we didn't, the problem is we didn't have, a, we didn't have if difficulty getting it out of Israel. But when we landed back in the U.S. in Atlanta, we had a difficult time getting it into the United States. I mean, and especially we went to we went to transfer and fly from Atlanta to Dallas. They would not let us carry that in our bag. I, we literally had to pay uh, too much extra money to take that those little jars of date honey. I mean, literally, there were several little jars about this big around, really tall and slender. We had to pay to get them into another bag and checked into the baggage to get them home. I told the guy, I said, "Do you realize?" We just left one of the most terrorist-infested areas of the whole world, and Israel let us get this through, and you guys are saying no? Didn't convince them. It was something that we had to declare. A couple of years back, we had a chance to go to Cuba. And so you can imagine there, the whole time we're going on that trip, we had to declare who we were. We had to declare why we were there. We had to declare the whole process. And we were taking stuff with us because they, here we are going into this communist country. And we're going in with the, with the project of helping to build a church, which wasn't exactly on their top to-do list. And so it was a process to get in and to go through that. And I'll never forget that we, there were things that we had to declare because we were bringing power tools and stuff with us to, to do work. And we had to declare all those things. We were also taking $10,000 that we were going to give to that church for building materials. And, and believe me, $10,000 there, U.S., buys a whole lot of building materials. To get it in, we literally had to take it, we had to take it in cash. We had to take it in crisp new $100 bills, and we had to divide it up among us so that none of us were over the limit of what we could bring in. Then when we got inside, we assembled it all together and gave it to the church. See, this process, sometimes there are things that have to be declared. And so as we do that, as we look at those things, I want us to understand that. this Because there is something about 
this idea of declaring things. Let me say this. As a redeemed child of the living God, we always have something to declare. I think too often we don't understand that the things that we have to declare. Too many times we let the world around us beat us up. Too many times as we're going in and we're coming out, we let the things of this world crowd out and we can get beat down. We can get feel like that we're lost and we're overwhelmed. But one of the greatest tools I believe that we have been given as followers of Christ is our ability and our authority to declare his promises. As I said earlier, sometimes, see, I've got my amen corner over there. Great to have Colson and Ruth with us this morning. But there is, we... What do we have? As I said earlier, sometimes I think we're just not convinced that he is for us. I think we're just not convinced. We, we may say that we believe in the promises of God. We may say we believe the things that have been spoken over us. But sometimes we can caught up with, get caught up in the idea that it's for everybody else, but it's not for us. So I was thinking about this when I went to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I want this to get into your spirit this morning. But you, okay, I want you to underline those two words. Because when it says, but you, it is talking to you. Not everybody else. You. Say me. Me. All right. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Man, there is so much jam-packed right there in that passage. If there's one thing I want you to get this morning, I want you to get this. As a citizen of a holy nation, we always have something to declare. As a citizen of the holy nation, we always have something to declare. As a believer, we should never say, oh, I don't have anything to declare. So let's look at that for a minute. As I was thinking about that, I thought about, you know, the first thing we need to declare as believers in Christ, we need to declare our status. We live in a day and a time where where people declare their status all over the Internet. How many times do you know what restaurant somebody has gone to eat at? You see a picture of their food. They're declaring what they ate. You can see when they're in a relationship or out of a relationship or back in the relationship. We live in a world of too much information. But yet so many times as believers in Christ, we're not good at declaring our actual status. Answers to questions like, why are you here? That's one of the questions we had to answer in Cuba. Why are you here? We're here to help with a construction project. 
They wanted to know where we were staying, where we were going. We were followed up on. We were there working at the church one day, and a communist official came and made sure that we were where we said we were going to be doing what we said we were going to be doing. The places where we stayed at. An official would come, and, and a couple of the, the people that were there, that were, they were hosting us in their little kind of a, I guess you, we'd call it a bed and breakfast kind of thing, but it was just kind of a little place that they had extra rooms you could stay in, and there was a host family that was there with us. And, and yet we found out that the communist officials would come in and grilling them as to what we were doing and why we were there. And you could see the fear on their faces when it was happening. But we have to answer this question. We need to declare as children of the living God. This is one of the greatest questions there is. You know, we, if, if we could answer this question for everybody in the, in the universe, in our nation, why are you here? That's half the battle. Because we have a whole lot of people roaming around today that don't even know why they're here. Don't even know what the purpose is to life. Don't even know what things are. But as believers, we need to begin to declare why we are here. Because it's a great question. We had to declare where we went. Why we're there. What we were bringing with us. And it's funny how we went in with all these tools and all these things and we left without the tools and the things because when we saw the condition that the people were living in, it was incredible. None of us wanted to take anything back because I showed up knowing that I was going to work. I had nice steel-toed boots that I took with me. I just happened to find somebody else that they were the right size and left them along with other stuff, because when you see that. But there is something about declaring our status. For us as followers of Jesus, it is vital for us to declare some items as such as, who are we? Well, this verse makes it pretty clear to us. Let me, let's look at this a little closer. Number one, it says we're a chosen people. You're a chosen person. You're here for a reason. You ever heard the story? It's kind of a little deal you've probably heard about the kid that was adopted. And there was a member of the family, a, a little brother that was, that was the natural born son and began to pick on the one that was adopted. And the parent sitting down trying to solve the whole thing, trying to make the adopted child feel better, said, you know what? You're a part of this family because I chose you. The adopted kid took, a little, took it a little further, went and told the other brother, said, you were here because mom and dad had to accept you. I was chosen. <laughs> but see, as a chosen people, I want you to get this. I want this to sink in. If you're a believer and a follower of Christ, you were chosen to be a part of the family. And don't buy the lie for a moment that you're not chosen or that you wouldn't be chosen because you know what? Scripture doesn't tell us that he came for those that he likes better than others. 
it tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. You are chosen. And we need to get that settled in our spirit. Then he goes on to say something else. He calls us a royal priesthood. Not only are we adopted, not only are we chosen, but there's a little bit of royalty now that is flowing in us because we've been created, we've been made into a new creature. And guess what, though? Guess what the family business is? Ministry. Guess what? As believers, we are all supposed to be about the work of the ministry. We all have our place. We all have our role. We all have things that we can do. A lot of you have noticed we've got a remodel project going on back there. You know what? If I didn't, I wouldn't, don't know what we'd do without all the people that know a little bit about carpentry, that know a little bit about building things and putting things together, hanging sheetrock and all those stuff, which I don't know a whole lot about. I've actually been there and said, okay, this board goes here, screw it in there. Okay, I can do that. But that's not, I don't know how to build it. I don't know, but you know what? It takes all of us as the body of Christ. All of us have a place that we can minister. Some people are great at hospitality. Some people are great at administration. But we all have a role in this kingdom. I don't get stuck there too far. Then he goes on to say, holy nation. Guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus, you have citizenship to the best role ever. Scripture refers to it as the Lamb's book of life. I don't know about you, but I kind of like the idea that one of these days when it's all over for me and that book is open, they're going to flip over to the S's wherever they are and they're going to see the last name Spiegel. And there's going to already be a few of them there. And they're going to look over and they're going to find my name written down. That's a great role, citizenship role to be a part of. And then it says a people belonging to God. Who do you belong to? God. I don't know if you ever got caught up in this when, when you were a kid. I did with some of the kids in the neighborhood. And it, you know, we'd get to talking about our dads and what they did. And inevitably, somewhere along the line, it would come down to, my daddy can beat up your daddy. Right? As a people belonging to God, our daddy can whoop them all. Matter of fact, there was a little bit of a discussion that was going on about that point. When Jesus was trying to minister to the Pharisees, you, you know, there were, a lot of them were always trying to counteract what he was saying. They were th- saying things against him. And, and so Jesus was talking about some of this and talking about the father and everything, and, and this discussion broke out, and they said, well, oh, we're, we're children of Abraham. Jesus had an interesting comeback to that. John eight forty four. He said, no, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, we're going to belong to something. We're going to belong to somebody. And this idea of going out and blazing your own, own trail is one of the lies that he tells. Because you either belong to God or you're following the liar. That's our choice. But you know what about that? The head of our holy nation doesn't lie. Well, can you imagine that? A leader of a nation that doesn't lie. That'd be a nice change, wouldn't it? Man, you guys are quiet this morning. But where are we? We're supposed to declare, don't buy the lies of this world. This, this world is full of lies. Everywhere you look, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You can blaze your own trail. You can do this. All these things that we're fed, and we're fed it constantly. But if we buy the lies... Can I say this? Of course I can. You've probably heard people say this. Oh, well, I'm just going to party with Satan in hell. It ain't going to be a party. He's not the ruler down there. Oh, he's the prince of this earth right now. But scripture says that when it's all said and done, he's just going to be the A number one prisoner down there. We need to understand there's only one real choice we have to understand who wants to adopt us, who wants to lead us in the right direction, who wants to be there for us. Because as a citizen of this holy nation, we always have things to declare. What does it say? To declare the praises of the one who called us. I know we should declare his praises. There's a power in declaring his praises. Now, I'm not talking about being obnoxious about it. How many you ever met that person that just wanted to over-spiritualize everything? If they were squirting mustard on their hot dog and, it, and the air bubble caused them to skip three spaces, they'd try to find some spiritual significance to the mustard skips. <laughs> You ever met those people? But what I'm talking about is we should be living a life that is so full and so obvious that we don't even necessarily have to open our mouth for them to see that there's something different, that we belong to a different nation. Because you know what? We have some things to declare, and the world needs to hear what we have to declare. As a matter of fact, we need to hear what we have to declare. If you remember, if you read the the writings of Paul to the churches on multiple occasions, he talks about that he wishes that all believers would desire prophecy. Now, what do we think of when we think of prophecy? We think of somebody being a mystic that foretells the future, right? But that's not all the word prophecy or or prophetic word means. See, when you declare something, 
that is inspired of God, whether it's something about the future or a statement right now or a, or a sermon that is inspired of God, that's a prophetic word. Because the word literally means to declare. And so sometimes we need to declare some things to ourselves. And what I mean by that is sometimes there are things that we know. We know the promises of God. But as I said earlier, we get caught up in this idea that it is meant for somebody else. That God isn't really for us. And we convince ourselves of these things and we put up with stuff that sometimes all we need to do is stand up and declare, you know what, the word says this, I believe these promises and declare those things over ourselves. It'll change your countenance. It'll change who you are. It'll help you walk and carry yourself a little bit different. When you say, I am chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm part of a holy nation. I was brought out of darkness into light. And we begin to declare those things over ourselves, and we begin to believe them, and we begin to walk in them. It changes who we are. Because the father of lies wants to go around, he wants to convince you that that stuff doesn't apply to you. That's the greatest lie of all. But not only do we need to declare them to ourselves, sometimes I think we need to inform our face. We need to inform our own heart. And then when we get that right, we need to inform others around us. Because there are other people that are walking trapped in the same traps that need to understand that there's some things that can be declared over them, that there's a better way of life for them. Matter of fact, sometimes we need to declare it to those that oppose us. You ever had one of those moments? It is, it's an empowering of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes when things are coming against us and sometimes when it doesn't seem like things are going right, have you ever had one of those moments that something in you wells up and you say, you know what, I recognize this for what it is. It's something that the enemy is trying to get a foothold in my life or trying to get a foothold in somebody else's life and there's something going on and I'm facing this opposition and sometimes we just need to stand up and say, uh-uh. And begin to declare some things to the enemy. He may tell you your future is messed up. The best thing you can do is turn around and remind him of his future. You think, you think my future is messed up? Boy, let me, let, me, let me flip over here and remind you what's waiting for you. It says that we may declare the praises of God to those around us, but we need to never forget the power of praise. Sometimes I run across Christians that say, just give me the word. I don't care about all this praise and worship stuff. Well, Scripture says we're supposed to declare his praise. Now, does that mean we're all great singers? No. 
How many ever stood by somebody that was passionate about their worship, but they were not good singers? There's a reason the Bible calls it making a joyful noise. But there is a power in praise. More than once in Scripture, when the children of Israel were facing what seemed like an overwhelming obstacle, the instruction was put the worshipers out front. I don't think that's what they taught at the military strategy schools. Keep your weapons back there. Put the, put the, the glee club out front. But yet how many times did the worship going before them, did they find out that when they got there, the battle was already won? There is a power when we praise, when we worship, when we adore him, when we begin to declare who he is and the power that he has and who we are in him. When we begin to remind ourselves, when we begin to remind others around us, when we begin to remind our enemy. There's a power in that. Next thing I want us to look at is the idea of declaring what you were called out of and what you were called into. Most of us here could say at some level, I once was, and we can fill in the blank. Can I say this, though? Too many of us are declaring our past all right, but we're declaring it like that's still who we are. I'm going to say that again. Too many of us are declaring our past all right, but we're declaring that's still who we are. Oh, I can't do this. I can't advance in my walking in Christ. I can't accomplish this because I am a if you've asked Christ in your life, that's not who you are anymore. Don't buy the lie. Quit declaring the bad stuff over yourself and declare what he's promised that you are. I have seen too many times somebody get stuck in that moment. They come to the altar. They, they, they pray and they ask for forgiveness. And, they, and trust me, when we pray those prayers, we're not praying in vain. God does the work. He cleans us up. But somehow the enemy has so convinced them that that's who they are, that they leave clean and they go back and they pick up and play with the same things they've played with in the past and they get stuck in the same mode again because the enemy has convinced them that that's still who they are. There's a power in saying, that's not who I am. That's what I was. But now, there's a power in declaring our future. Now I'm a child of the living God. Now I'm part of a royal priesthood. He chose me. He bought me with his blood. He set me free. And my future is in him now. We can begin to declare those things of our life. Let's read 1 Peter 2, 10 and 11. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had received, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful natures which war against your soul. See, sometimes I think we forget we're in a war. We're in a battle. So I think there's some things we need to look at when we look at this idea of declaring what we were and declaring what we are. There's some things we need to look at. First of all, when you look at the idea of the story of what was. See, we all have a story of what was. I've said this before, and I alluded to this earlier, is I've had people say, well, you don't understand where I come from. You don't understand the difficulties that I face. And no, I may not understand exactly what some other person has faced. Because I was blessed growing up. No doubt about it. But how many know we all have our I once was story? It's just different things. And so many people think well, that, well, you don't understand. You haven't been where I've been. You haven't gone through what I've gone through. You, you don't have the difficulties that I have. All, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this, all you people have it together. No, we don't. If you, if you got it all together, raise your hand. See my point? We don't. That's not the point. The point is not who we, because we all have our I once was. But I'm telling you, whoever you are, wherever you've been, I mean, just look in Scripture, the people that God changed to transform their life. I mean, if you, you know, I, I didn't put the list together. If you go through and you read about all the, the, even the 12 followers of Jesus, they got their own baggage. See, some of our stories are more dramatic than others. Here's the thing. People need to hear your story. You just don't need to get caught up in your story. There is something powerful about being open and honest and saying, this is who I used to be. This is where I came from. This is what God did in my life. Here's the things that I left at the foot of the cross. And here's who I am today because of the grace of Jesus Christ. That can be the most powerful story you can tell. We may be a chosen people now, but the world needs to understand that many of us used to look just like where they're at now. We're just a little further along in the journey. I'm going to say this. We need to resist the temptation to bury our past. What I mean by that is, 
How many know that as believers and as the church as a whole, I think the church is so guilty of this, that we can be going along, we, we, we have a messed up past, and as some along we have this encounter with Christ, and we give our life to Christ, and he saves us and he sets us free, and we want to put forth this image from that point on that we're perfect. And that we've always been that way. There's a power in acknowledging that story and not burying the past, but letting God use that to reach somebody else that has faced the same thing. Because you're, here's, let me say this. Your redeemed past, as ugly as it was, is now beautiful. It's beautiful. There is just something about when somebody is able to tell the story of what God brought them out of and what they went through and how he set them free. People say all the time that people don't change. I beg to differ because we, I, you're looking at a room full of people that have been changed. There is something about declaring the redemptive power of changed lives that can give other people hope. And if you bury your past and you never bring it up and you never declare what God has done, then they don't know that there's redemption for them. Matter of fact, next week I've got uh, Jason Abney's going to be one of the new members of our church is going to be sharing his testimony. He's He's got a ministry pass. He was part of staff at the Dallas Metro Dream Center. And, but God has done so much in his life. And I asked him, I said, you know what? People need to hear your story. And we were talking to them last night. Kim and I went over to their house. And one of the comments that was made is exactly what I'm talking about. Was that so many people bury their past because they don't want to lay it out for the world to see. But there is a powerful Something about that beautiful story of a messed up life that has now been changed on the right path. And the story needs to be told. I need to move on. Asylum or citizenship? How many know that that's in the news everywhere we look today? What is asylum? Asylum is free, fleeing from a bad situation and looking for political refuge. Can I say this? Far too many people want to declare their need for refuge from the dangers of this world or the things that they face in life, but they're not willing to go as far as become a citizen of the holy nation. In other words... I don't want a get-out-of-hell-free card. I don't want to just say a covering of the things that I've done wrong. I want to be completely made new. I want to become a, a citizen of this holy nation because how many know there's a lot more rights that come with citizenship than being a refugee? Citizens get favor they do not deserve. Citizens get benefits. Citizens get called sons and daughters of the living God. They would need to keep it clean. 
This passage refers to all these things. In my opinion, one thing we need to get back to is the idea of keeping things clean. We live in a world and a society today that, as time goes by, at an earlier and earlier and earlier age, our society wants to destroy purity. They want to pass laws that expose young kids to things that they should not even have to be thinking about at the age that they're at now. Purity has become a dirty word. So we need to declare the war to the world around us and to our families that there is right and wrong. There is a value in purity. There is a better way of life. There is a way to, re- and you know what, let me say this. There is a way to return to purity even when a life has been polluted by sin. Behold, the old has passed away. All things have become new. Jesus talked about being born again. A fresh start. There is a way to step out of darkness and into the light. This is my last point, declaring the light. Or another way to look at it is living the good life. Let's look at verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I will declare to anybody that wants to hear that I am living the good life. Now, but not a life like the critics would accuse. I know there's this thought out there that if somebody's in the ministry and somehow they have a thing or two, that somehow they must be cheating somehow or they're ripping people off or or whatever. I mean, that's there's that thought out there. You know, we... I'm going to say it anyway. I had somebody not too long ago what, kind of threw out a question, not to us, but got to me roundabout way, you know, well, how can they live in that house? Blessing of God? Not because, you know, let me say this. I don't even know why I'm going there, but just to help you out. I am on a salary. So if the giving goes up, my paycheck's the same. The giving goes down, my paycheck's the same. Now, if it keeps going down too far, that could affect the paycheck. But my point is, is there's not any skimming going on. There's none of that that happens. I realize there are ministries and things that do that. But you know what? God's favor has been so with us because we're, let me tell you, we practice what well, we preach, we tithe. Tithe is one of our number one things. And we give above and beyond to missions and to other things because we have found the blessing of God in that. You know why we can live in the house that we're living in? And once again, I don't know why I'm on this, but here we go. It's because this is our third house we've owned. And every time we've bought a house, God worked it out. where We got an incredible steal. And every time we've sold a house, we've sold and made a lot of money. And you roll over a couple of times. See, God can bless. So yes, I'm living the good life. 
But that doesn't mean that I don't have moments that I look at my bank account and I look at the surprise bill that's come along. It's like these things, one of these things does not look like the other. But there aren't disappointments that arise that destroy my calm on a daily basis. I mean, know what I'm talking about. You're having a good day, it's all going along, all of a sudden surprised, and everyone's like, ugh. Or not that the doctor sometimes doesn't tell me something that I don't want to hear. See, my point is, as a believer, we can live the good life and still be in this world. Because the good life is a blessed life. And it's a blessed life because I may not always look on paper like I've got everything is I need, but I know who my provider is. And it's not that, 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 you know, that everything goes right, but I can have that peace that passes understanding when I shouldn't have peace. Not that the doctor can't say something that I don't want to hear, but I also know that the doctor doesn't have the final word. And not that I can't and not that I can can't go to bed at night or whatever, because I can go to bed at night knowing his peace. And I can have a a great life. The great thing about being a citizen of his kingdom is you get a great life here on earth and a better one yet to come. All right. Ephesians five eight. Paul there is basically saying the same thing that Peter said. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. We are light and we need to declare it. You know the great thing is about light? It doesn't take much light. It doesn't take a powerful light to stand out in the darkness. Isn't it amazing what a weak light can do if you're in a situation that is totally dark? Light stands out. Light draws attention. Light pushes away darkness. I don't know about you, but I've never seen darkness come in and push light away. Works the other way around. And we need to never forget which is the most powerful. Titus 2, 7, and 8, then we're going to pray. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. That's the good life. We must declare that light. As citizens of a holy nation, we always have something to declare. 